if you would turn uh, to Matthew chapter 22. And what I love about Jesus is he has a way of taking things that are really complex and making them, uh, boiling them right down to something that we'd all, we can all kind of hang on to. And it says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, it says, The Pharisees heard that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees. They gathered themselves together. One of them was a lawyer. He was a tricky guy, an attorney. Asked him a question to test him. Verse 36 of chapter 22 of Matthew. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now, at at this time, there were some 700 plus commandments that you could trace from the Old Testament. And Jesus says, just let me sum it up for you. I know you're trying to trick me, but let me sum it up. Love me, love God with your entire being, and you will fulfill all of those commandments. So we know our assignment is to love him with our entire being. But in addition to that, the Lord says to us, I I have given you an additional assignment. You're not only supposed to love me, but you're supposed to love people so much that you're willing to go into the uttermost parts of the world, including El Salvador. Aren't you excited about the team and their experience? I hope you're praying for them, led by Pastor Jeremy and Darcy. Go to the, the uttermost parts. Go to every nation and proclaim the gospel. Literally every ethnic group. Let that be your mandate. Boils it down to two things. Love me with your entire being and preach the gospel. Make disciples. Make them followers of Jesus. So Father, I pray this morning that you would convince us, Lord, that you would help us to be so preoccupied with what you've called us to and not distracted, Lord, by the world or anything, Lord, that would So move us away from your mandate. Allow your spirit to work in us, through us. May we have ears to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We are living in really incredible and uncertain times. I uh, have been following the news. I'm sure that you have too. Uh, I have been so amazed at the moral decay of our nation particularly over the last five years, but it seems like exponentially that decay is is rapidly increasing. Um, There has been, of course, the the onslaught of what seems to be scandals. It seems like we hear something new uh, every week. I don't need to label those, but you hear it and you're grieved and you're somewhat outraged maybe. And and, uh, yet when you realize the root of that, we realize just how spiritually deranged our world really is. Do you you know what I mean by by the word derangement? We we sometimes, unfortunately, label people that way. We say they're deranged, or we'll use a word like insane. What what they're saying is that that things are not lining up correctly, that that they're thinking, you know, there's something's askew, you know, the the two plus two is not equaling four. The arrangement of their thought processes and the arrangement of their emotional life is not what it's supposed to be. So we say that they are are deranged. And friends, I tell you that this world is deranged. 
It is, it is not lined up with the ways of God. And when that happens, you get things like courts, high courts overturning the Defense of Marriage Act. You, you get the embrace of every kind of promiscuity. You, you get uh, uh, this, uh, this, this really a foundation of, you know, lying and, and cheating and, and scandals and, 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 and frivolously spending money at the expense of others. That's, that's an arrangement that is not a God arrangement. It's not the ways of God. And when you have that, you get insanity. So we literally are living in a spiritually insane world. It is a world that is corrupted by desires. And if we're, we're not careful, we'll jump right into the river of that and we will, we'll just get kind of caught in the current. And I tell you, the current is flowing. And it's like somebody has, has kind of turned up the miles per hour on the current. There's a river in Alaska that we like to fish in, but every year people die in this river. It's a glacier river, and we would dip, uh, uh, dip, uh, dip net for salmon. These great big nets. We would put them down, oh, I don't know, maybe 20 feet, big long handle, and you'd feel bumps in your net, and you'd you know, try to pull them out. But you have to be careful, because if you get two or three of those salmon, they start pulling on the net, and of course you don't want to lose red copper river red salmon. Because that's $20 a pound stuff on the, on the northwest coast there. It's wonderful stuff. Tastes delicious. They're called red salmon. Sockeye. But if you fall into that river, if it's low, it's, it's the, the miles per hour has increased. And every year, one to two people die because they fall in that cold glacial river with all kinds of currents and whirlpools and they suck them in. You know, this world, it seems like somebody has turned up the miles per hour on the currency, if you will, of the way the world is moving so fast away from the ways of God. And we literally have to turn up our spiritual motorboat engine. We have to kind of hit the throttle a little more so that we can go in the opposite direction. We have to purposely make sure that our lives are not caught up in the current because once we get in the current, once we find ourselves swept up and get going, just like a person who falls out of the boat, it can become so difficult for us to begin to swim the other direction. I was reading an article a few months ago about artificial insemination. I uh, am adopted, and I think I shared with you a little bit of my story, and thankful for God's providence in my life, and just as such an advocate of adoption. And, and uh, artificial insemination, they... They, I don't know if you know this or not, but they, uh, at least in this lady's story, they, they, they actually uh, um, implanted four embryos, and they sort of look for one that becomes viable. And, and in this uh, article, it said that they discovered that one of the, the embryos had a, uh, ended up with a DNA uh, defect of some sort. And so she said, well, just abort that one. And I'm fascinated because, see, these are things that years ago we never would have even dealt with. In China, you know, they have outlawed that you can only, they have a law that says you can only have so many kids. And and unfortunately, they they have said that we prefer boys over girls and that, that the that the mortality rate or the abortion rate of girls is much higher than of, uh, than of, than of boys. Those are things that years ago you didn't have to deal with. The general of, of Iran just a few months ago said, said I, I just dare Israel to do something. All we need is an excuse, he said. These were his words. 
to turn Israel into Armageddon. Now, those are, those are biblical words. Do you know that? Do you know Armageddon in the Bible? There is a, called a valley of, of Megiddo or Armageddon, and that valley is incredible. I thought maybe when I read it in the Bible for the first time, the valley might have been from here to the end of your uh, uh, pavement. You know, it's like this narrow valley. Because it says in that battle, the blood will flow so high, it will be up to the bridle of horses. And here's the general of Iran saying, come on, Israel, bring it on. We're ready. We're ready to usher in the last war. We are living in incredibly uncertain times. What kind of people are we to be? How are we to navigate our faith in these uncertain times? How are we to to live our lives in such a way that brings glory to God and maintains a firm grip on the mandate that he has given us. The Bible has a lot to say, really, about time. It doesn't get into all the physics of time that maybe some of you scientists in the room would like for the Bible to get into, but it does address time. It speaks of making the most of every opportunity, your time. It speaks of numbering our days because we don't really know If we'll have tomorrow, it says that tomorrow is a a vapor. It's here today and and gone tomorrow. But time is is moving. We tend to be more stationary, though in reality we're we're all kind of moving, if you will. The things around us are moving. We're on a planet that moves. We just don't feel it. But time is moving toward us. And I like to think of the epochs or seasons of God as moving toward us and we are more stationary. Let me support this biblically. Do you remember Galatians chapter 4 where it says that, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he could redeem us who were people under the law, so that we could receive the redemption that he had for us. So Paul is saying that God had a certain time that Jesus was going to show up. And that time before Jesus showed up, that people were sort of stationary, and that season or time was moving toward them. And at just the right moment, at just God's preordained time, Jesus entered this world as a baby. Now, we know that we are living in the end times. the, The Bible indicates that, that we are living in the end times. But within the end times, there is sections, if you will, and one of those sections is the last days. Now, I don't feel like we're living in the last days, as I understand it biblically. I believe we're living in the end times. But when the last days comes, it speaks of of, uh, marks being placed on your forehead. And without it, you will not be able to buy and sell. It it gives other indications of a global world market. It, 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 It speaks of a world domination of a leader who will somehow have a sway over nations and will be able to unite them and will be at first a man of peace and then a man of war. Last days. And those events or seasons will happen actually very quickly once one of them happens. It'll be like a series of of suddenlies. It'll just roll right after one another. I have a friend who travels a lot. And he said this to me. He said, Paul, because I travel a lot, they offered 
to me uh, an opportunity that I could bypass all of these lines trying to get back in the United States. You have to wait in a long line to, to go through customs. And let me find out the name of it here. I've got to read my notes to, to find it. Um, I want you, it's called the Global Online Entry System. And he said, Paul, I don't think I want to do it because he said they want to scan your hand. And when your hand gets scanned, if you've been approved by the scan on your hand, then you're led into another room that's all glass windows. They do a quick check of your passport, and then you're in, and you bypass all the line. He said, you don't know how bad I want to bypass the line, but I'm a little worried about the scan of my hand. Now, I'm not asking you to freak out about scans because, friends, my goodness, it seems like, you know, I don't know what's in my wallet. I had a friend that got worried if there was even two sixes on his credit card. You know, it's like, ah, you know, and he wanted to cut them up and ask for another number. Now, I don't want you to get flaky on me, you know, because all of that, that number and all of that, that, that buying and selling is connected with, with worship, but not worship of God, with the worship of an antichrist. But you can see things being put in place, can you not? That, that will allow that to happen very quickly. In fact, the technology is already in place. You see how technology is uniting the world. You know, I, Facebook, I, I don't want to get on this because I'll go for a long time, but I'm one of these guys that says, I like Facebook. And then I turn this way and I go, I hate Facebook. You know, I like it. I hate it. When I haven't seen my aunt or heard from my aunt for a long time, I love to hear the news that my uncle's okay and the kids are okay. I love that update. On the other hand, I realize that here, uh, this guy that, that invented it, that came up with it, him and his team of partners had no idea that he has literally united the globe. And could you imagine a system that said, you have to be a part of that system or you will not be able to buy and sell. If you're not a part of the Facebook community, if you're not a part of the name of the leader community, if you are not signed in, you will not. You can see so many things are in place for the coming of the Lord. And friends, I happen to be one of those pastors that believe the Lord is coming. I've talked to a lot of biblical scholars that said, basically, you're all wet, and the way you think the Lord's coming is he's not. He's going to come totally differently. And they even have gone so far as to call me stupid that I would believe it. But I'll tell you this, I'm stupid enough to believe the Bible. And the Lord is coming soon. My grandfather used to say it all the time to me. He'd say, Paul, the Lord's coming soon. Yeah, 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 Grandpa, I know. The Lord's coming soon. He would remind me of that repeatedly. He talked about it often. He had this conviction in his heart. And friends, I believe that coming is moving toward us. And I don't say that simply to emotionally get you stirred up. I just don't want you to lose sight of it. In in the midst of sometimes a delay of his coming, and the Bible says the reason is that he delays is he wants more people to be saved. He wants more people to repent. In the midst of the delay, please, please, please don't lose sight of the reality that he's coming. And it says the reality of that coming should actually purify us. It should cause us to live differently in light of the fact that we know he is coming. So how do we navigate our faith in times like these? I think there are some barriers that keep us from navigating our faith and from giving ourselves fully to the mandate in Matthew 28, which is simply this, go into all the world. 
Make disciples. Love me, Jesus says. Love people. Tell them about who I am. Take what I've done in you and give it to somebody else. Don't lose sight of that mandate, the Lord says. Yet there are barriers. First barriers, I believe it gets diluted. I, when I do a survey, do you ever introspect? Some of you introspect to your demise, right? I can introspect myself to death, and you just have to stop introspecting, right? Because it's not healthy. But some of it is really good. And I've discovered that when it comes to the mandate, I feel like there are times when I give myself like 20% to it. Yeah, Laura, the church is having a missions convention, and I'm going to give more of my resources this week. Or, or, yeah, there is a missions trip, and I'm going to go this week on the missions trip. And it's like percentage. It's like 15, 20, maybe 25 on a, on a good week. And, and yet I hear the Lord saying, Paul, you know, be all in in this thing. When I played football, the coach was always yelling at me. Paul, get the lead out, he would say. And I didn't have to say, would you sit down and explain to me what, what's lead mean? What, what do you mean by that? Oh, no. He was saying, you give 100% on this football field. And I remember he used to say, you play like this is your last game you've ever played. Play baseball. You run to that first base like you're going to get on first base, even if you've hit a ground ball to the pitcher. You give it your all. There's an exercise program called P, P90X or PX90 or some other insanity thing. Um, dear Jesus, rescue us from the... I get tired watching the infomercial. I'm in my easy chair. One of his famous lines is, you know, give it up. Give it up, you know. Come on, give it up. And I, I know what he's saying. Run faster. Do more push-ups. Come on, like me, who's been in condition for 30 years. You should be doing it like me. He's saying, don't come to this exercise just wanting to give 5%. If you're going to get the insanity results, you got to give it all. And I hear the Lord saying to me, Paul, step it up a notch. Give a little more to what I've called you to. Renew your relationship with me. Don't dilute this call. Give it all. Second barrier to us giving ourselves fully to the mandate is that, you know what? It is so easy to get distracted. I have been labeled as ADD and uh, several other letters that probably you could add to that that are non-academic. <laughs> and I remember as a child, I would bring home the grade card and my mother was never real happy. I was in... I was at Christian school, and Christian, Christian school, when I went for the first four years, they'd take you back in the, in the, the coat room, the cloak room, and they would beat your hind end. And you never really wanted to cross the teacher. I used to get whipped with a social studies book, and then she found a ruler that was pretty thick. And I was always getting whipped, you know, or we like to call it beatings back then to make it sound worse. But, um, you know, like a social, I can remember a social studies book. I mean, the kids were just deathly silent because they wanted to hear the thud on the back of my rear, you know, that boom, 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 you know, the thing. And, man, that, that, I remember the sting of that. And I remember thinking, you know, what did I do wrong? What I did wrong was I was looking out the window. Paul has trouble paying attention. He sure is fun to have in class, but he doesn't pay attention. 
Paul gets easily distracted. Paul seems to daydream a lot. Well, that's where they figured it out that maybe there's a condition. I don't buy it. It seems like everybody has a condition, right? I mean, we could all gawk out the window and, oh, you're, you're sick. So, but I don't want to convince that you all have it because you're all thinking, I'm daydreaming while I'm listening to you. So you don't have the disease. So don't worry about it. But I was so easily distracted. I'd help my dad and he would say, shine the light on the motor. That's all I had to do. That was my job. Shine the light, and I learned all the tools. I memorized every tool. You tell me to bring you a 916th socket, I can see the socket and give it to you. I don't have to read it. He taught me that. If I did it wrong, I heard about it. So you learn those sizes really quickly, and you made sure they were all together because that's kind of how you learned it was they were sequentially in order. But I couldn't hold the light steady. He'd say, stand still. I couldn't do it. I was distracted. Well, emotionally, we understand distraction, don't we? Physically, physiologically, we understand the things that contribute to that. You know what? There are a lot of different things that distract us. Do you know that car accidents, they say that 62% of car accidents that are a result of distractions, it's probably the bulk of them, 62% are from things that took place within the car, inside the car. The other percentage is without you know, the other day I dropped ketchup on my shirt out of my very small hamburger, of course, and that thing dropped, and it just plopped right on my shirt. And so I just decided I would clean it while driving and nearly plowed into the back of a car who suddenly stopped. Could you imagine explaining that? Well, I had ketchup on my shirt. And, uh, you know, you know how it is, police officer, when they set, you know, and then my wife can never get it out, and she's not happy, so... I figured I was doing my marriage a favor. You know, I mean, it, none, of that, that, none of those excuses work, right? But we easily get distracted. Easily get distracted. We so easily get, get off where, where we're not supposed to be from the focus that the Lord intends for us to have. Thirdly, we get disillusioned. That's a depressing word, isn't it? I'm disillusioned. As I have been thinking about that word and certainly uh, thinking about this message, I realize that, you know, maybe disillusionment is not necessarily a bad thing. Because since when did the Lord ever call us to be people of illusion? Do you know what illusion is? You have illusionists that you go see and they're dressed up in really neat clothes and they get an assistant and they do all this stuff and you go, wow, how is she floating? What's well, an illusion? She's not literally, if she's literally floating as a believer, you shouldn't be there. <laughs> so there's some other force going on that's not Jesus, okay? But it's an illusion and that's what we like to see, card tricks and all that. They're illusions. God doesn't call us to be people of illusion. He calls us to be people of reality. Truth is reality. Truth is the way that things work. And it's so easy to get disillusioned. And maybe what we need to do is have the Lord challenge our misconceptions. I remember when we heard that Cindy had cancer, I, I remember this thought crossed my mind. You know, I, don't, I didn't sign up for this, Lord. You know, just a fleeting thought. Didn't dwell on it a long time. And then I realized, you know what, that, that, that when I chose to follow the Lord, I didn't sign a certain contract that said, okay, the Lord, you know what a contract is, it's, it's saying this side will behave this way and this side will behave this way. 
I, it wasn't all spelled out there that this is exactly how your life is going to go, and then you sign that. Oh, no. You know what the Lord reminded me was that when I signed up with the Lord, it's not that I didn't know anything about him. It wasn't blind faith because there was a revelation of him by his word and by his spirit to my heart, and there was a sense that I could trust him. But I knew it was going to be a journey, and basically the Lord takes that paper that we filled out everything and he flips it over and it's blank and he says, sign here and I'll fill in the contract. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? I'm saying we don't know what life's going to bring us, but we just make the commitment that, Lord, I will be true to you and I will serve you faithfully. I will honor you. I will love you with my entire being. And, Lord, I will embrace what you want me to be, to be a person of obedience to let the world know what you've done for them. Friends, it's so easy to be disillusioned. We meet pastors that are disillusioned. They're hurt. And they can't get past the stuff. You've had people hurt you, right? And you get disillusioned with church. Stuff happens, doesn't it? And sometimes we struggle to get past it. And when we stay there, guess what happens? We lose sight of what we're supposed to be doing. I've never met a person who was struggling with disillusionment for a long period of time that's also aggressively loving God with their entire being and a person of the divine mandate to reach the world for him. They're stuck. And we know very well that pain has a way of gripping us, doesn't it? Pain hangs on to us. So why do we hang on to pain? The Lord says, would you give me your pain? Would you surrender that to me and let me work out the details of your life and move on with loving me and doing what we're called to do, and that's to be people of the great assignment. And I don't mean to be flippant about emotional things that we go through. They're hurtful. The pain is real. But when we get stymied as the people of God in times like these, we will not be the people of God who follow the divine mandate. We will get stuck. Disillusion. Lastly, is one of the barriers that keeps us from being people of the great assignment is we get disinterested. Apathy. Have you ever talked to a fellow believer? I know there's times I've felt this way, just kind of apathetic, indifferent. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really care. That's a scary place for us to be, isn't it? And oh, how we need the Lord to come and rattle our spiritual cage. How do we get God to awaken us when we get to that apathetic? It just, apathetic means literally without passion. Ah, pathos. There's, there's just no passion. It's without it. And when we get to that place, we just, oh, yep, so what? People dying and going to hell, so what? The Lord wants me to do that? I don't think I'm that interested. We get indifferent. And a barrier for us, loving God with our entire being and being people of the great assignment, is that we can be people who get disinterested. Here's the point of this message. The point is we are living in times like these. We didn't set up or declare what time we want to live. It has been, if you will, given to us to be the people of God in this time. We don't know what lies before us. There is a real joy to live in these times. And at the same time, there is a tentativeness because we do not know what's around the corner. 
But the reality is we are at such a time as this. And I felt like I needed to remind you and myself that in times like these, we must keep our focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We must be aware of distractions that so easily move us to the right and to the left. Have you ever been walking in your journey with God and you say to yourself, well, how did I get over here? How how did I get here? And you sort of wake up, if you will. and, And you know if you were to dissect it, you'd know it was just a series of decisions that led you there. But you kind of have this eureka moment and you go, oh my goodness, how did I get so far from the love of God and where he wants me to be? I can tell you it wasn't big steps. It was a lot of little steps distracting you and moving you away from Father's heart. So I say to you as I say to me, return to the stream of his love. The Bible says, keep yourself in the love of God and he will keep you from falling. Keep yourself in the stream of his mandate. Examine your entire life, Paul says. Take a look at, at who you are and say, am I a follower of Jesus? Am I committed to the mandate? Am I committed to loving him? And if not, will you join me in saying, oh Jesus, help me to love you more. Help me to keep your truth and your assignment. Don't get caught up in the politics of the day, though they're important. We're people that have to be involved in our community. And we're disappointed when things don't go the way we think they should go. Don't get your focus on the value of the U.S. dollar or the unemployment rate or how much money you have in your retirement savings or your 401k. When that becomes your focus, as opposed to the divine assignment, you minimize the greatness of your God and what he wants to do through you. The word of the Lord to us is those things as the, as the people of God do not have to haunt us because literally a mighty fortress is our God. And I am a firm believer that things are getting going to get more difficult before they get really, really good when he ushers in his kingdom. And I'm really thankful that we have the biblical illustration of Elisha, Elisha being fed by ravens. Don't you love that story? And I've already put my request in for five ravens because I think it'll take that to feed me. I'm telling you, friends, if the Lord can miraculously provide for his people in desperate times, can he not provide for us regardless of what the economy does? Can we not trust him? Basically, the Lord says this, seek first the kingdom of God and I'll make sure you got clothes to wear and I'll make sure you got food to eat. I'll make sure you have something over your head. Your focus is keep on my main assignment and to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Would you stand with me? Father, in times like these, we want to be the people of God. Lord, in times like these, we want to be focused. We want to be focused totally upon you. In times like these, Lord, so, so difficult, so unnerving in some ways, and yet so exciting. I pray that you would minimize every distraction and that our eyes, in a fresh and powerful way today, would be focused on you. 
that we would return to our first love, as the Bible says, and we would recommit ourselves that, Lord, our lives are not about us. They're about you. They're about loving you with our entire being and, and about embracing the assignment that you have for us to love others as you have loved, loved us. So convince us, Lord, more than the words that I speak, convince us by your spirit that in times like these, we need to renew our relationship with you. And we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.